0: Hi, and welcome to The Mean. I'm Ryan Huber, and joining me as always is Nick Seagraves. Hey, Nick. Hey, Ryan. What are we talking about today in the world of pop culture and philosophy? We are talking
1: about the magical world of advertising,
0: yeah. mm. so we're calling this episode "Commercial."
1: Mm-hmm. And I think recently there's been a lot of discussion on certain ads, uh, Kylie Jenner, or is it is it Kylie? I forget one of one them. of the Jenners, Pepsi, the Pepsi Youth Generation Police Reconciliation mm-hmm. Campaign.
0: SNL has had multiple skits that have referenced that since. So apparently it's hot in the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm.
1: And I've just noticed that some ads don't really follow a structure that you think they would if that makes sense. So I think like a like a like an act structure yeah, or something like that. Well like there's a lot of cut and dry ads so you'll have the Budweiser commercial with like girls in bikinis and like a dude mm-hmm just chillin' and Bud Light or whatever has really helped him get the bikinis, yep. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but in the long term and realistically, I haven't seen an ad like that in a really
0: long time.
1: I'm trying to think.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, another Saturday Night Live skit from the 90s when Chris Farley and Adam Sandler, that whole generation, they did a uh, uh, the ad parody for Schlitz gay. Like it was a beer called Schlitz gay. And it was like parodying the whole bikini thing because these two guys it was just Chris Farley and Adam Sandler, like in regular dude clothes. Uh, but they're hanging out in this gross backyard. There's a pool. That's all the water is really like rotten looking, but then they open up, you know, their cans of Schlitz gay and a bunch of really hot dudes in like bikini brief, uh, bathing suits come out and they're all you know oiled up and washboard abs and it's exactly the kind of commercial you're talking about only it I think the point was to show people how shocking this would be if it were men if you were like, Look at these hot dudes and look at like ad like look how we're advertising this beer to gay guys but it's um it's interesting that that kind of straightforward advertising i mean I see that kind of like later like if I'm watching Sports Center at eleven thirty at night, I'll see those kinds of straightforward like this advertising or this product is gonna change your life. It's so sexy. I don't see as much of that. It seems like there's more angles these days. I'm I think not it sure. It
1: has a lot to do with the rise of content marketing as well. So Old Spice is a great example of this where So if good. you look at like the very famous Old Spice ads They're not really even talking about washing your body or even like smelling good. They are making like a comedy sketch, like an absurdism. Yeah. And because that's so memorable, people will willingly go on YouTube and rewatch the ad, like not rewatch something and see the ad before. Yeah.
0: So there's value in the ad itself rather than in the product. That's Mm -hmm. so strange that that's a thing and
1: on the internet that also goes into people paying writers to write blogs for companies that people follow so the content mm-hmm. marketing model is more like we're providing content that's so good that people will branded content <laughs> yes, right obviously so and working inside of that industry when i live with you in los angeles really opened my eyes to just How many cool things on the internet are supported by this secret society of marketing firms that have gotten the stuff off the ground? And that that sounds really nefarious, but it's just a reality.
0: So we have the straightforward world of advertising, the classic, if you buy this thing, you will be this kind of person, like you mentioned the, the bikini, kind of like, if you drink this beer, you'll get hot chicks. And then we have this kind of world of content branded like, oh, this in itself is entertaining to me and this brand is sponsoring this entertainment, which is kind of how TV started, right? TV was like a bunch of products saying like, oh, you like Lucille Ball, so I Love Lucy is brought to you by this detergent. Like that, I mean, that was how TV became became a thing. Um so so that seems pretty classic but it's returned kind of in an internet youtubeable format. But then I don't know it, there seems like there's also a a brand or a type of commercial that doesn't have much to do with anything. Like it doesn't like it's not like valuable content and it doesn't seem to even be it doesn't even seem to tell you that if you buy this something good will happen to you. It just seems like this is a commercial. And 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 where a brand. Can you give me a quick anecdotal like, example? Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. I would I would think um maybe this isn't a great example, but like the Geico Gecko. It's like some of the commercials are like, "Okay, 15 minutes, 15% on your car insurance." But some of them are just the Gecko kind of just doing things and i mean i don't find them particularly funny or entertaining although geico does have some pretty good commercials um that are entertaining i don't know it just seems like there's a group of commercials okay the best one the best one for me is this subaru commercial that i know what they're trying to do they're trying to say our cars last for a long time but the content of the commercial is this little boy and he's got this big suitcase and he's dragging it to a subaru to put it in like he's like leaving home but he's a little boy he's got his blanket he has to tell his like young dog like hey rufus get out of the car i have to go and then it talks about how like your little boy won't always be your little boy and then it kind of the camera angle shifts and he's a 17 18 year old kid and his parents are older and he's leaving them to go off to, to college and it's this tearjerker thing especially since jessica and i have had our baby max for the last year um you see it and you're like, oh my gosh, my kid's going to grow up. But it doesn't make me want to buy a Subaru. It, like, the the point that comes through to me isn't that Subarus last a long time and if I buy a Subaru now, my kid will get to drive it off to college someday. The point is like, oh, I love my kid so much, which doesn't have anything. To, like, I am not more likely to buy a Subaru because of that commercial, and I'm not just going to watch that commercial for a good time, like a Old Spice Funny, you know, Terry Cruise, like, commercial. Like, I just... I don't understand, maybe I'm different, maybe a lot of people do, are attracted to buying a Subaru because of that commercial, but that's what I'm talking about. A commercial that doesn't seem to make me more likely to want to buy something, but at the same time, it's not particularly something I would go on YouTube and watch, because it's not funny. So I'm not, I'm not sure what that's for. With ads like that,
1: I don't really understand the point either, because it also... targets too much one audience for me
0: yeah yeah like parents
1: and it also can damage the brand in other ways in terms of like you're now making Subaru into like a family car which is a very different image Mm -hmm. than uh, a coupe that's riding through the desert and some like weird songs playing in the background and it's so exciting and your girlfriend's like yeah hang gliding and you're following her. Have you seen that one? I it's like a car it. just like zooming through the hills um, near the Pacific probably and a girl's like hang gliding on top and he's following her and he's like smiling and then it just ends and I'm left sitting like, does is he chasing her? Is it like to make sure she's safe or is it that the car feels like you're gliding? through the air just yeah
0: i'm not sure i'm not sure what that means what i am sure of is that the the lincoln commercials with matthew mcconaughey are meant to tell people if you want to be cool like matthew mcconaughey you need Mm. to buy a Lincoln. well those are so straightforward i'm not sure like like, yeah those are like the old like i'm a cool person it's almost like the old celebrity like i smoke mm -hmm. marble reds like if you want to be like me if you want to be a cool dude that dresses well and is slick and is, you know, in the zeitgeist, then you should probably drive a Lincoln. Nothing says in the zeitgeist like driving a Lincoln crossover. Yeah, Exactly. Which is which is maybe why they're so brilliant, because I think like imagine you're a 10 year old. Right. And you see those commercials. You're like, oh, that guy's cool. He's like James Bond or something. You don't know that Lincolns are for old people. And like it might, it might pay long term dividends for them to just totally redefine themselves as a brand.
1: That brings up a point of ads aren't just for immediate sales increase. They can serve a wide range of functions and they can really turn around. I mean, that's what Old Spice did. Old Spice went from, that weird bottle with the twist
0: off that like old men would bring on trips with them Mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Think about, think about both these brands, Lincoln and old spice were for people who are about to die. And now they're like cool young. I use old spice body wash and like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind driving a Lincoln if I needed a car. So it seems like, these companies and these advertising firms know what they're doing in terms of, of totally reinventing themselves.
1: There's also a funny element to ads that kind of forces them to be in an art type area. Like I've seen some very artistic ads, normally like Apple crosses this line a lot. Mm-hmm. Back in like the two thousands with all the iPod commercials where you have like Florence in the machine or some, kind of almost popular band that's still pop-ish and all those silhouetted figures and it enters into this like iconography like it's very iconic
0: of yeah I remember in particular the first one of those silhouetted commercials which was uh Vertigo U2 Vertigo I'll always remember that one and then another one that they kind of upped the color on was Viva La Vida with Coldplay and both of those are really iconic in every respect that you you remember them. Like you said, iconography is, is kind of part of it. And those commercials really are artistic. And I wonder, I wonder if it's only the blue chip companies that can afford to do that. And I think it fits Apple's brand more windows.
1: Yeah. Not that they're not creative or that they don't do creative things. Obviously they have advanced technology considerably but apple has a track history of this they have the fighting the system's sledgehammer girl ad which is still it's insane that that's an advertisement for a computer that now the kardashians use and buy you know it's to have that kind of rebellious look at this slave society i'm gonna buy an apple because it's not a pc and that's so crazy where now, I don't really know many millennials who aren't either programmers or hardcore gamers who don't own MacBooks.
0: Just kind of a standard. Um, and I think you, you've you seen that corresponding change in the content of Apple commercials over, over the course of that time. Like, you had the girl breaking the big screen with the sledgehammer, and then you had the I'm a Mac and I'm a PC, right, differentiating the Justin Long, I'm kind of the cool hipster kid versus the old guy with glasses in the 90s or maybe early 2000s, I forget when those ran. But now Apple doesn't have to do that anymore, nor do they want to do that. They don't want to be the countercultural. They're the most valuable company in the world. So they don't need to or want to define themselves as outsiders so it makes sense that their their commercials are more about, look how sleek our products are. Look how functional they are. Look at what you can
1: do with them. I mean, the most recent one is skydiving and running through colored dust and
0: swimming near a pier with your watch, your Apple watch. Yeah, it's universal kind of, look at us living life and we couldn't live our lives the same way without our Apple products. That is very different from what they were doing in the 80s.
1: And that brings up a darker reading of advertisement that I've heard sometimes and I just wanted to get your opinion on it. I think ads can be turned into very manipulative ideas. They can be read as just this crazy manipulation of people's desires. And once you get into that mindset, everything turns into that. And as an example, what you just said about the Apple Watches. We can't live our life. We wouldn't be able to do all these really fun things without my Apple Watch giving me a daily count of my calories that I'm burning. Or whatever they're advertising in that ad. Because it's like a circle that's slowly filling up. And I guess it's how much fun you're having or something. And you can read that into (laughs) every commercial. You can see it in... The
0: every kiss begins with K commercial. That's an, yeah, Yeah. that's an abomination. Like that. Literally, you cannot love somebody sexually romantically, even as a family member without buying them expensive jewelry. Yes. And I love
1: how they translated that so effortlessly into motherhood as well. So it's not only that you're courting a woman and you want her to marry you. So you buy her a diamond ring but like it's mom's birthday, so you bring your son with you and he's picking out which precious gem to buy your wife and it's like a family moment. But as we were talking about earlier with expanding Old Spice and Lincoln into younger markets, you can read that as something
0: that is manipulative. And- mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good point. to The, the turn to children, like the use of children, In marketing, obviously, the use of children in marketing is very old. Like, your kids will love it. Like, this is, is, you know, sunny delight. It's not orange juice, nor should you drink it, but kids will love it. Or your kids get their handprints all over the windows, and this cleaning product will get it off the best. But, like, that's fine. Telling moms or dads, hey, these products are available for your kids because those kids, you know, they need their pizza rolls. Uh, that's one thing, but there's this kind of insidious, like you were talking about the dark side of advertising, where things are marketed directly towards children. And there's actually laws and rules and things governing, like what kind of commercials you can have towards kids, especially in Europe. I think you're not really allowed to advertise directly to children because they're not aware consumers. When you tell a five, six, seven, eight-year-old that they need this thing cuz it's colorful and it's awesome and it makes their life the best. They really believe you. They're not they're not and I'm not a censorship person so I don't really I don't I think it's the parents job to figure out what their kids are watching and the commercial, you know, regulate the commercials and the the way that their kids see the world, but if you have a kid that's kind of like a latchkey kid, parents are divorced, kind of at, at home watching TV a lot, um they're going to be imbibing all of these commercials that tell them all the things in their life that they need, all the things in their life that they want. They're going to they're going to have desires that they never would have had had they not seen these commercials. I remember one commercial from my childhood from the the late 80s. It, it was a game called Crossfire and they had this really catchy song that I'm not going to sing. But a really catchy song which just I've never forgotten the lyrics the melody and it always made me want to have this game called crossfire which it it was a fine game it was whatever it was a board game where you're shooting these marbles at this thing and trying to knock it into your opponent's goal or whatever but uh it is kind of insidious the way that they circumvent the parent-child relationship to to get kids to try to get their parents to force them you know to buy them stuff that that they might not be able to afford or that kids don't even really need
1: it goes back to what the purpose of advertising is is it to give the solution and the fix to a desire or is it to create a new desire
0: for the company's product that's important yeah that's important it's it's you and i have talked about this before the the three levels of advertising as we see it the first level is just awareness right so Did you know we have this product? It could help you. We think it's a good product. Level two is what kind of person do you want to be? If you want to be this cool or sexy or successful person, you want to associate with this product. It's a lifestyle brand. It's Marble Reds. It's it's the Bud Light. It's the Lincoln car. These are the things that we want you to want to be like and associate with. And then there's that third level that you and I've touched on a little bit. That's almost like a like a environmental kind of like I I hate to keep using the word zeitgeist, but it's like in the air we breathe and the water we drink. Things like Coca-Cola, right? Coca-Cola's commercials sometimes convince you that Coke is a good thing that you want to drink because it's refreshing. But most of the time they're not even really trying to convince you of anything or even convince you that you're supposed to be a certain kind of person. They're like the world is Coke, and the Coke, Coke is the world, and this is, this is part of what it means to be an American, kind of. And They're not even trying to really convince you of anything. I think they're reminding you, hey, we're everywhere. We're ever-present. This is part of the fabric of society. And that's, I don't know, those three levels are really interesting to me. Obviously, I don't have a problem with level number one. I think everybody should be able to say, this is our product. You should know about it. Here's what it does. Level number two is questionable, especially with children or people with illnesses or conditions that mm-hmm. make them weaker. Or, you know, I remember um, an SNL skit back in the day that was targeted towards older people, like the elderly. And it was about robots coming to eat all your pills. <laughs> like <laughs> it's these robots that are gonna come and, and that's why you need robot insurance from this from this company. So it was this it was this idea that, you know, old people are paranoid and that they need their medicine and that if they don't have this robot insurance, then they're going to die. And it, was, it made a really good point that there are these predatory commercials that aren't really just trying to help you. They're trying to take advantage. My
1: of favorite you. kind of those are so. shame based advertisement campaigns. So, so like good. The, the like Blue Mountain dog food where it's like we got different pet parents into a room to look at the ingredients of their dog food. And it like shows chicken byproduct meal and cardboard pieces and jagged bone mm-hmm. or whatever. And yeah, chicken beaks, reprocessed chicken goods and stuff like that. And mm. then they show the, the fresh organic locally Produce chef prepared food for your for your pet daughter or son and it shows these these people like sitting there looking in horror and going i never realized i fed my pet such horrible things and you know i would never feed my children something like this and then the ad just like ends mm. and you're sitting there like am i a horrible person because i buy my my dog pepperoni
0: should i be should i be a better pet mm. Or... and And this is why the terrorists hate us, Nick, because of our pet <laughs> food commercials, yeah, the shame thing's interesting, also, there's a new genre of commercials that i don't I don't know if you've noticed, but it's the using everyday people to sell you things. It's like a new form of the man on the street, hey, have you seen how well this cleans, but it's like Chevy showing normal people like how cool their <laughs> awards are. People are like, oh my gosh, I never knew Chevy won so many awards. Really it's how like...
1: broke that advertisement is? Like they're on a stage that has mm-hmm. seven yep. different fake walls that continuously open to show more and more awards, like through this huge, like seven hundred foot sound stage, I'm guessing. And but that's supposed to be yep. like more
0: realistic or something. <laughs> it's yeah it's more it's more like these are regular people, of course they're gonna be impressed by your eighteen jet hangers that you have with like like endless amounts of of cars that go as far as the eye can see like yeah that people people are gonna be very impressed by that. I don't know the whole using real people to sell you stuff i I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm okay with it, but it's it doesn't make me more likely to buy a product. Well, it I also
1: think. brings up, like, are they real people? Which I know sounds, like, trite, but it's... I always think that, like, are these just, like, really, really good actors who are not trying to be like, I'm in a commercial, but are more, I'm a regular gal, or I'm a regular guy.
0: Are you saying it's, like, a- advertising <laughs> mumblecore? <laughs> well, it's... So for those of you who don't know, Mumblecore is a, ge- is a genre of film where people, like, it's the most realistic genre of film. There's no real acting going on, and there's no real storytelling going on. It's basically like, we're going to follow these normal people around and make the least artistic film we can possibly make, because that's real life. And it's not a documentary. It's just Mumblecore. So this is like advertising Mumblecore. It's like the the most in in one respect the most realistic scripted material you can get but on another level like nick said like you said nick it's this baroque they're on like a they're like on a aircraft carrier it
1: zooms out and they're just on a giant Chevy fake island just
0: battle fortress exactly made out of metal fl- floating in the south pacific
1: welcome to your new home Chevy owners well there's also this weird meta advertising where I feel like the company is like, we know what you think about us. So wink, wink, we get it, that you get it. And now that you know that we get it, I guess you'll buy our product.
0: So what do you think is the best example? This
1: of freaking minivan commercial that blows my mind just for, for two reasons. All right,
0: tell me about it.
1: First of all, In its internal logic, it makes no sense whatsoever. First of all, what's what's the company? I think it's it's Christ. I think it's a town and country advertisement. I think that's really what it is. I could be completely wrong. I don't care. Like it doesn't. It's a minivan. Let's just say that they all look the same. The company brought this upon themselves by
0: making a minivan.
1: So I'm guessing the in-house marketing team got together and were like, "What's the biggest problem with minivans?" They're stupid. They're ugly. Everyone hates them. They're for moms. Check, 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 check. So how do we get people to, how do we get young parents who don't want to fit into that stereotype to buy it? And the ad goes like this. There's a young couple, and they're like hanging out on a beach or something, and he, the husband, or not husband yet, turns to his fiance and goes, we're never getting married. And then it cuts really quickly to them at their wedding day, and He goes, we're never having kids. And then it cuts to them, her giving birth. And he says, we're never leaving the city. And then it shows them in like a suburban house. And then a minivan, a town and country or whatever drives by. And he goes, we're never getting a minivan. And then it cuts to him and all of his kids and now his wife in a minivan. And they're all enjoying it. And there's like a pause, a little sentimental moment. And he turns to his wife and goes, I'll never leave you. And then the commercial ends. So I have two problems. with this. First of all, if you're following the narrative structure of the commercial, which is the husband.
0: Can I, can I, can I guess here that he's, he says he's not going to do something yeah, and then he does every it single every single so time? We've just seen
1: five examples of that everything this man says, he does the opposite of. And then the last thing we see is this man driving his family in a minivan going, I'm never going to leave you. And then the commercial ends, which just following the structure means the next scene should be him like in a Holiday Inn with like a
0: hooker or something. I don't know,
1: like just something.
0: No, 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 no. I wanna, I wanna really dig into this because I think you're absolutely right. I think the next scene in the mm-hmm. director's cut that didn't make that didn't make it to air is him old and balding with like a hot young chick in like a cooler car. Driving past his house and waving to his kids and his wife, who gives him the middle finger yeah. as he drives past, and she
1: has like a really sad look on her face, and one of his kids has an Avril Lavigne yeah. shirt on because exactly. that far in the future, Avril Lavigne will be like edgy and relevant again as like a nostalgic piece. Yeah, she'll be. Cl- yeah, she'll be classic rock. She'll yeah, be like the remote. This is a great vision of her future. The second <laughs> problem I have with the ad, though is that it's basically admitting that minivans are not cool. It's it's They're almost selling it by saying, look, we get it. No one sets out to buy a minivan. But your life, you know, if you really want to be a family man, if you really want to be a good father, then you're going to have to have a big, hulking rhinoceros
0: car to bring your offspring
1: around it. <laughs> and so...
0: Okay, let me let me try a little uh, experiment. I'm gonna do the the tagline to this commercial, like the honest tagline. Ready? Chrysler Town and Country. You're gonna settle. That's the life. That's, that's the life lesson. You're gonna settle. Chrysler Town and Country. You're not yeah. trustworthy.
1: <laughs> well, it brings up this these hidden tropes. It's easy to make fun of ads for the obvious tropes. It's kind of what we talked about with uh, the political climate, quote unquote, of our media, where there isn't really mainstream media mm-hmm. that's like, the government's awesome, guys. Like, what are you talking about? Haha. Like, every, from, like, mainstay television to FX and even HBO, they all say the same thing about our government. And everyone, when they make fun of ads, goes for the the easy kill, which is the bikini girls and the outrageous beer commercials. But there's other tropes and ads that are just so stupid. And it just persists forever. And one of them, and this commercial does that too, is the stupid idiot dad. Like, I don't know where this idea came from. Yes,
0: thank you for bringing this up. You know what it is? It's the transference from pop culture like movies and TV, to commercials. I think this is commercials imitating, quote, art. The last 20 years of American life has featured the complete degradation of fatherhood. It really has. This isn't like a focus on the family thing. This is for real. Like, if you made a list of TV dads, most of them are idiots or just bad people. There, there, There's not a lot of like, hey, I'm a relatively normal human that takes care of my family. Like, they're not good people. They're they're mostly stupid. And I agree with you 100% that these commercials featuring the idiot dad trope, the one that I've been seeing the most lately because I've been watching the NBA playoffs is nbatickets.com. There's this cool-looking kind of like, well, not cool-looking, but but semi-cool-looking, like, African-American father and his mixed-race kid and his beautiful wife, and they're kind of hanging out, and she's doing the, you know, the mom kind of eye roll thing that's like, I love my family. But what would you so guys do without me? You know, that, no. the, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so the dad's like, they, they're watching the game, and they see in the crowd that a rival family is at the game. They're like, the Andersons? How are they at the game? And the kid goes, the kid has like an iPad or something. He's like, NBA Tickets.com, Dad. He's like, But the game's sold out. And his kid's like, The game's never sold out, Dad. There's always tickets available even while even when the game has started. And then, you know, they they do the voiceover like NBA Tickets.com, there's always tickets to the game, blah blah blah. And then the dad grabs the keys, looks at his wife and goes, We're going to the game. And he looks at his son and goes, Your dad's a genius. It's like it, the, a, this guy's an idiot. Like, this He's guy's the stupidest person. He, yeah, he he probably should not have been allowed to procreate. <laughs> he shouldn't be in charge of a household. He shouldn't have married that beautiful woman who's smart and knows, and wink wink. Um, What is he doing with this son and this wife? Like, it, it, did she take pity on him because he was developmentally disabled? <laughs> like, what is going on? This, <laughs> this... This guy is not an adult human. And for some reason, like that's endearing. Like I as a dad, like when my son's six years old and I see a if I saw a commercial like that, I'd be like, that's insulting to my intelligence. I am specifically not going to buy tickets from NBA.com.
1: Yeah. It... That's that's my <laughs> well, rant. True. That's my rant about it NBA It has tickets. a lot com. to do with um there's this a metric of audience approval for ads. And one of the the highest things they found is important to how well advertisements are received by audience members is respect. So, and th- that's a broad term. So it's not just they need to be respectful of like, you know, people don't like the pug monkey baby abomination Dorito ad because it, it doesn't oh respect gosh. the sanctity of a human body or
0: whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or the lots of... It, it's not
1: that. That ad actually scores well because it respects the absurdist uh meme-ish humor of the audience that it's trying to hit. So they say, oh, Doritos gets that we're crazy so funny and just so out there wacky that they get us, they respect where we're coming from. And so we like it. And I think with the family trope thing, there's two options. And I'm just pulling this out of my, my butt right now.
0: So it's not I'm not saying this. Is- I love your I love your readings of uh, of things on the fly. Let's it's either, do
1: it. A they genuinely think that the mother is the one in control of purchasing decisions, so they're completely basing mm-hmm. the ads
0: off of the respect for her. It, that that could be. That could be because she is definitely mm-hmm. the same. So adult. In all these ads,
1: she's the one that has to clean up after the the, the reckless twelve year old father and his twenty year old son normally and all the stuff, and I guess they're supposed to relate, like, yeah, I do have to do that a lot, so I guess I'll buy Tide. The second option, and this one's like even worse, is that they know that men don't really care. So, they know that if an advertisement for NBA tickets that puts a father in a negative light, if he's the one going out, making money, having to work, he probably has enough I don't know, like... Well, some respect are, like, real-world affirmation, so if, if it is a traditional or, like, conservative family structure, he's the one that's being validated in the economy. And so he doesn't really need another incentive. So it's kind of like, you know, like, why wouldn't... There's not going to be a protest of men in Washington, like, or Hollywood, rather, like, stop making Homer Simpson stereotypes. <laughs> like, we... We're sick of it yeah. because who yeah. ca- like no one cares. Um, I, I I'm leaning more towards the first one.
0: Is it is it like a subtle is it a subtle way of sticking it to the patriarchy? I guess so
1: or at least you know ads can't really do that though. That's something else I wanted to talk about. That's why the Pepsi commercial blows my mind. It is not really that Pepsi went through with it. It's the reaction
0: it got. So. Do you, do you think the reason the Pepsi commercial, aside from the fact that it doesn't totally make sense as a story, do you think the fact that the Pepsi commercial failed, perhaps it was because it didn't please either the left or the right? Like, it didn't, it wasn't like cops are great, and it wasn't like Black Lives Matter is awesome. It, like, tried to shoot the gap, and I don't think, and I think they just ended up, you know, pissing off the outrage police on the internet on both sides. Absolutely. And it it glosses over a fact of
1: Pepsi's always had a hard time with youth. So they, like, if Coca-Cola is that omnipotent, omnipresent cultural force that you described, Pepsi's...
0: That they don't have to, like, Coke doesn't have to reach out to youth because they've been around since everyone was born and everyone knows. there.
1: And Pepsi's always been the stepchild. It's always been, like, the the runner-up in these things. And so their niche, like we said with Apple earlier, is defining themselves against this, like, God figure. Um, And you see that with, like, the Pepsi youth generation with... And that's happened forever in the last one. I I think the real last, like, Pepsi youth campaign was with Beyonce, wasn't it?
0: I was going to say, I used to see this Beyonce billboard all the time on my commute in Los Angeles. And living in Los Angeles, I see all the kind of new... Advertising all the new billboards. The thing about this this billboard is, even before it got washed out by the sun, Beyonce looked like a white person. Like she, everything was so tinted. Her hair was blonde. Her skin was very light. It almost I was surprised there wasn't like outrage over this this billboard. I know this is kind of taking this this podcast to left field, but it was interesting to see her looking completely de Africanized, if that's a thing in order to be the Pepsi generation spokesperson. I don't know. It was interesting. It it just, I never know where the outrage is going to come from, you know? I
1: think if we're being really, really charitable to Pepsi, I imagine they sat down and said, like, let's, let's look at what's going on in young people's lives. Like, what do they complain about? What are they upset about? And a huge thing that people say all the time is, there is no representation in mainstream media. For these different minority groups, so Muslims, women of color, uh, African American artists, blah 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 blah. And I think, I think stupidly, but let's still give them the benefit of the doubt. They were like, "Well, we can include all of those people in this commercial. We can have some woman with a hijab who's a photographer, and this boy who plays the cello, and they're all marching for a nameless cl- cause that." Doesn't really have any content. And then there's a beautiful model who leaves her perch to be part of the the youth movement against something. And if you look at it from a positive point of view, I just think they're trying to include those people in the ads. But what they don't realize is by making a jenner the centerpiece, they like it goes back to step one. That makes sense. And it's like what you said with the Beyoncé skin tone. Like, there's a huge difference from mainstream acceptance of Beyoncé and mainstream acceptance of Missy Elliott. you know what I'm saying? Beyoncé not only... It's not just an African-American woman. She's also a very attractive woman. She's also a woman of considerable, like, style and composure. And also is very in line with, I think, white American values in terms of pop music. I mean, obviously, like, conservative mothers probably don't want their daughters listening to Beyonce. But, like, in terms of just culture at large, whereas Missy Elliott is darker skinned. She's bigger. She speaks and acts in ways that don't really fit into that narrative. And I think that it shows how far progress is. And you're right, we're getting, like, way off topic. But it's
0: interesting that advertisement kind of be well i think we're we're trying to describe why the pepsi yeah. commercial failed like there are these complex racial social uh cultural generational divides in making a commercial that you think is going to help with that or bring people together or take advantage of that for commercial use like that is dangerous territory it is it is a bad idea Try to take something that is a hotly contested topic, not really choose a side and try to either associate your product with bridging the divide because bubbly sugar water is going to really, you know, overcome the racial disparities in our country, or that you're just basically trying to say, hey, this is happening in the culture. Isn't it fun? No, it's not fun. This isn't fun. Like, who made that decision? There's a lot of serious things that are going on in, in this situation. And I would say it's actually safer, you'd still get the outrage police, but at least you'd only get it from one side if you picked a side. And you said, we're on this side. Like, the NBA has said, we are on the transgender side of the transgender issue. That's at least a side. You're going to get outrage from the people who don't like that you're boycotting North Carolina, but you've chosen a side. I think when you try to thread the needle, you you better nail it. You better just totally get it perfect. And I don't think a member of the Kardashian extended family is gonna is gonna be the thing to to really bring. Imagine if that commercial had been done, you know, with someone like Michael Jackson, had he still been alive. Right? Like maybe he steps out and he gives like he had the gravitas to pull that off. Yeah. To be like, I'm Michael Jackson, I'm gonna help solve this. I'm lending like Kylie Jenner, or like sh- nobody cares what she thinks about anything. I know this is a ridiculous notion, but what if it had been Barack Obama, but does that really change it like that's that's my question it's okay, what if it was beyonce okay like what if if it was beyonce who did it, I think it would have gotten less I think it still would have gotten some outrage from both sides, and I think she would have gotten more like you should know better beyonce, but I think the volume would have Lower because it's like well, Beyonce has spoken out about these issues. She is trying to bring people together. She is respected in the African American community. She's respected by white people. So yeah, I just think if you're gonna if you're gonna do a we're gonna address a social issue in our commercial, you better hit a home run in all respects. So you can't get someone who's known to be vapid or empty or useless. <laughs> but.
1: I guess my question is, during her halftime performance, though, her last one, when she kind of, like, surprised performance, the Bruno Mars thing, she had all of her dancers and herself in Black Panther attire and doing, you know, the Black Power Fist, and I read all of these articles about, like, how brave and how great and, like, she's just really, like, pushing this into, like, the American eye. Which, you know, maybe she is, maybe she isn't. But the Super Bowl is just as much of a giant advertise Like, if you were doing something to, like, fight the powers that be in America, the NFL would probably not be, like, the medium to do that.
0: Yeah, the NFL is interesting because the Super Bowl is the epitome of American television culture. It's the epitome it's the of commercial bowl. culture. Yeah, it's it's our cultural our cultural Jerusalem. And if you're going to make a statement, that's the place to make it. And maybe the lesson is make a statement that is a little bit more nuanced or a little bit more symbolic and it's not directly in the service of a brand. If like you're going to make a statement, like don't be like we're anti-racism brought to you by Pepsi. Like just say i'm anti-racism even though it does enhance beyonce's brand in certain ways to do that she's a person brand she's not a sugar water brand let's talk let's talk a little bit about super bowl commercials since since you since you brought it up why have like think about this why have commercials become such a big part of the super bowl experience
1: I think because they bring in an element for people who don't want to just watch the game. Maybe this is just speaking from my point of view. But you have people who are really, really Mm -hmm. into football, which is great. And I think the halftime show used to be like, okay, this is the allotted time for everyone else who's stuck watching this to see a music performance Mm -hmm. or whatever. But I think that advent of content marketing, that you know, the Budweiser commercials the old spice commercials they get this buzz around them and it's weird to see this starting in like the late 90s with these buzz commercials so you just have people talking about them and they become so ingrained so like you remember the like "Was up stuff like that was an ad yep. that wasn't like an snl sketch that everyone was like Oh, that's so funny! Let's talk about it and during our lunch breaks. It's like we're all gonna sit around and talk about an ad that we thought
0: was just so funny. Yeah, I think the Super Bowl features all three of the types of commercials that, that I identified earlier. The hey, we're a company. We want you. There's always like a smaller company that people don't know about that like re- that springs the you know the million dollars for an ad to really get to really get like like i remember when it was godaddy.com like no one knew what godaddy.com was but they did the Danica Patrick is a sexy NASCAR vixen but it wasn't because like you'll be sexy if you get your domain name through godaddy it was pure we want eyeballs on our website period the second level is the don't you want to be like this don't the aspirational kind of don't you want to be associated with this brand don't you want to be cool or young or hip or whatever and then the third one is the, you know, the zeitgeist kind of the Coca-Cola, this is this is part of our world. And then I guess I would add the your angle on the content marketing as a fourth kind of advertising. That's like, this really is just entertainment and we're going to entertain you and hopefully you'll be grateful that we entertain you because we're underwriting this entertainment for your pleasure. So I think to bring it all together, we found four levels of commercials, awareness, um, lifestyle, don't you want to be like me? zeitgeist where everywhere and then look at this fun content we created for you and the super bowl has all four of those kinds of things
1: and i think the inclusion of that fourth kind the content marketing is in some ways the future but there's also very obvious limitations to it mm-hmm. and by by that i mean that's the perfect world you know you would love for people to just like your advertisements so much that they will willingly just rewatch and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch uh, the content. So you will just continuously advertise to someone by their own will. You don't even have to make it crazy um, as long as it's liked. But the biggest problem that comes into that is scalability. So the reason why older advertising methods are so popular is because they're very easy to replicate. Yeah. They're very easy to say, this is the kind of ad we want, you know. Like, let's find a mom actress. Let's find a dad actress. Let's
0: get them. Yeah, the tropes. Have... The tropes allow you to yeah. plug and play.
1: Exactly, and for a lot of companies, that's all they need. They just want to show you that their new minivan not only has an automatic closing back door, but also has seventeen touchscreens that you sit on
0: and it just
1: scans your body for something or whatever. Um, but the content re- requires creative agency which sounds like such a like cop-out millennial thing to say but those old spice commercials some of them were made by Tim and eric like absurdist humor duo Mm -hmm. some of them were underwritten by a bunch of other comedians the actors themselves in them have gone on to be in what's his name terry terry cruz yeah so like you can't have an ad like that without someone in Terry Crews' unique position of A, being a hyper-masculine-looking person, but also having the sensibility to be funny and ridiculous. And all so that costs like,
0: money and time and creativity.
1: Yeah, and it also isn't readily available. You can't just get an extra or an advertisement actor to do that. You have to have, the, like I said, there's some type of creativity talent. And working in that content marketing firm uh, back in Los Angeles, that was a huge problem because you're trying to get nine different clients these blogs that everyone wants to read. And that's what they all want. Mm-hmm. And they're custom. Like, I want
0: to... Yes.
1: And, and it's like, well, I'm a celebrity nutritionist who believes that you shouldn't eat fruit first because it will rot in your stomach. So, okay. And... I'm a anti-smoking campaign and I'm a someone who's one of my least favorite clients was someone who was like trading Iraqi currency Mm. for Vietnamese currency. And it's like, why would anyone want to read a blog about this? That nobody (laughs) wants to. Yeah. And that goes into the failures of advertisement because of content. I think there's certain brands, certain companies, certain that just don't translate well into content marketing and into social media engagement, quote unquote. So if you are a company that does cremations, for example, you're not really going to have, like, a huge social media engagement following. And if that's your viewpoint of, like, we can only measure success in this new millennial post-television cable-cutter Never connector, all those words. Uh, if this is how we really get them, then we're failing. But in a lot of ways. But also, like
0: those, even when everybody's watching, like the Super Bowl, not all of those commercials succeed, right?
1: No. Only one in four, according to this Forbes article, only one in four companies who buy Super Bowl commercials, which are million dollar investments, by the way. just huge, huge investments, um, see any type of revenue within the next five years. So they're they're huge gambles to try to even make this work. And I think that's because there's also an element of, you don't really know what's going to click. Like I think you can test your ad, you can make it check every advertising theory checklist, check, 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 you can get test audiences in, you can hit a cultural note and it's really great. I think a great example of this were the Old Navy commercials that they, like, publicly denounced. Do you remember that? Which ones? There are all these Old Navy commercials of, like, you're in this, like, Willy Wonka factory. Mm -hmm. And there's all these, like, B-list celebrities. I'm trying to remember a few of them. And it's, like, zany and fun. And it's really surreal. And it's obviously advertising Old Navy Mm -hmm. clothes. And they were awful, right? and they were horrible and they actually weren't even that bad they just didn't click like no one cared and so i just remember this huge public scandal of they fired that entire team because it was like this isn't working and when you look at it there's nothing in the ad itself that would have been bad it's not like it's not like this pepsi scandal it wasn't like people were disappointed it wasn't offensive decisions yeah it was just boring like who cares and so it's there's there's that kind of cultural element that comes along with all mass media of you don't really know what's going to stick
0: and and maybe that's why maybe that's why this content advertising the we're going to make a skit for you and you're going to be entertained comedians kind of know what's funny You know, so you can get a creative team together, you can make something, it can go viral and it's branded content like Old Spice or you you kinda know who the cool celebrity is. That's all that's always gonna kinda hit, you know, like the whoever's the coolest, whether it's Beyonce or Matthew McConaughey or whoever. And I think those classic genres and tropes of commercials are gonna continue. And I think in an era like you said, of cord cutters and like I skip most commercials on my D V R because I watch most things recorded rather than live. And I think in this kind of era, we're going to see the return of some very old things. And we already have in the last 10 years or so product placements you know, embedded in the television show itself. Like movies have been doing that forever. Every James Bond car is a product placement. But the product placement has come back to television and the presenting sponsor like ESPN and other, other uh, television stations, channels, brands use a lot of this presented by this. And those are ways of circumnavigating the fact that a lot of people just don't want to watch commercials at all. And so the efficacy of commercials uh, going down might be combated by more embedded, uh, more viral video content type stuff, but also more embedded product placement type stuff, which is really how television began in the first place with the, like I mentioned earlier, with the, I love Lucy's of the world, that those shows were written by corporations to make space for commercials so that they could get their products out there we wouldn't have television without advertising so it's so in a way stuff like netflix and hbo is bizarre because it's completely separate from the tradition of television but companies are going to have to become more and more creative with the way that they combat the fact that people don't want to watch commercials increasingly and the other thing is we see the explosion of scrip- subscription services and that model's a entirely different model whether it's netflix whether it's amazon um commercials themselves might be going slowly going the way the buffalo i'm not sure but that's my take well the subscription is also kind
1: of even supplemented more by the explosion of patreon do you know what that is what is that patreon is a service where you can um basically be a patron to a content So if there is a YouTube comedian, or like for me, I love watching uh, like critiques of albums or uh, film on YouTube, and there's just like a lot of really great people out there doing really interesting stuff, and instead of having them rely completely on sponsorships and the little granule income from YouTube ads, there's an option to pledge like $2 a month to Mm. To a person and it's like a no commitment type thing and if they have five thousand subscribers who pledge two dollars a month to the person that's obviously not an amazing income but it is something that like can help support the channel and support their lifestyle and stuff like that and so once again you're removing the need for those content creators to even consider advertisement at all hmm. you know if, if you can just directly go to the people consuming your content and say hey if you like this support me it's even weirder because it's more ancient than i love lucy television it's yeah. basically like medici like, yeah patronage you, like, yeah like we're your patrons like michelangelo we really love your ceiling so just like keep it up here you go like you don't need to like write brought to you by whatever corrupt pope was
0: pumping out the dough at this time like you know you can just make your art I think that's a great place to, to end for today. Corrupt popes patronage going back to the to the classics. If you're going to if you're going to have twisted underhanded ways of getting people to do things then you might as well go back to the uh, the old ways of doing things. Well, next week we're going to uh tackle hopefully a more serious topic. Uh, I think we've got a special guest lined up. Uh we'll we'll uh, let you know when the episode actually airs but for now this has been ryan and nick and you will hear from us next week bye bye